Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. The goal always was to come back because I knew immediately as soon as I got hurt, especially with a leg injury, 32 years old, been in the league 11 years, people immediately assume, oh, that's it. He's a D tackle. He's older. Knee injury. Will he be able to come back? I love when people count me out. I'm from the south side of Oklahoma City, 405. It's not very many people that do what I've done. I'm not talking about the success of football. I'm talking about just lasting this long in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I've been a fighter my whole life. So it was nothing but another fight to me. That was new Raiders defensive tackle Gerald McCoy talking today at the practice facility in Henderson, which is exactly where I am. Unimpressive due to say the least, Gerald McCoy. Got to say this. Back in my NBA coverage days, had to make myself out to or get out to Oklahoma City on more than a handful of occasions. And I didn't know. It's so small. I didn't even know there was a north side or a south side. But I'm going to take Gerald McCoy's word for it because I'm pretty much going to take Gerald McCoy's word for anything after getting a chance to talk to him uh, today like we did uh, the media after practice. What He's been here about a week or so. Uh, one of the better pass, one of the better defensive tackles of his generation. I mean, obviously you got Aaron Donald and and guys like that, or that's sort of the cream of the crop. Uh, But Gerald McCoy has done it at a pretty darned high level for a very long time. Uh, 10 seasons to be exact. He missed his 11th season last year uh, because of a a, a serious injury that cut short his season before it ever began uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. So he was out of football last year. But to say that he's raring to go here in Las Vegas with the Raiders would be a serious understatement. Um, He expressed uh, some, some really strong feelings and deep feelings uh, of appreciation, of not taking anything for granted. Not that he ever did, but certainly when you get something taken away from you, uh, like Gerald McCoy got taken away from him last year with that with that leg injury that cost him all of his 11th year, you don't get things like that back. Uh, but what it does is, even for somebody that's always appreciated um, – you know, his position, uh, the fact that he's in professional football, the fact that he's been doing it as long as he has, the fact that he's been doing it at such a high level uh, as he has, uh, he's never not appreciated it. But but when something gets taken away from you, you appreciate it that much more. You appreciate what you love to do that much more when you don't get to do it uh, for the length of time that Gerald McCoy got it taken away from him last year. And I think as a result... The Raiders have a chance to, um, you know, there's a good chance that they've brought in a player that is could potentially exceed expectations. And what are the expectations for Gerald McCoy? You know, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think the starting positions are, are fairly set. But if Gerald McCoy, a six-time Pro Bowl player, a guy that typically gets six to seven, eight sacks per season, go look at the numbers. He was doing that as recently as 2019. He plays every game. He's always a 16, 15, 14-game-a-season uh, player. Uh, you can't, you know, uh, just, just um, you know, uh, turn up your nose to that. Just the availability factor has always been there 
for him short of last season, of course, uh, and that was kind of out of his control. It was just a serious knee injury that's, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that, that put him on the shelf for a full season. But his track record, his history shows a player that is always available. If he has anything left in the tank, as he talked about at 32 years old, he's going to give the Raiders something of value, and I'm convinced of that. And hearing him talk today – for the first time uh, since becoming a Raider, he showed up, what, it was about a week ago or so. I mean, if, if, if his enthusiasm, his passion, his positivity, his nuance, his shrewdness and professionalism that he displayed today, and I know a lot of you guys got a chance to watch it on the live stream while we were talking to him, if that is in any indication of what he has left to give on the actual football field, boy, oh boy, oh boy, uh, what an asset to have in your rotation. And slowly but surely, the Raiders are adding good people, good quality people, talented people. They're building up a, a, a sort of a stockpile of weapons of players that they're going to be able to tap into in various different roles to add depth, to add experience, to add production, to add talent upon the talent that they already have. I really, Oh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Tuesday. The Raiders got back to practice today. Great day for the defense, by the way. Kind of a sluggish practice uh, to start off and um, – you know, if you've played any level of sports, and most of us have, let's face it, even, you know, to the high school level, you get a taste of what sports is all about. And, and, and a lot of the same, obviously, these guys do it at the, you know, the, the top 1% level. But a lot of what they go through is a lot of what we went through, no matter what level you're playing at. You come back from a day off, you're a little bit sluggish, you're right in the middle of training camp. Uh, I know my son is in high school football camp right now. Uh, and you get sore, you know, as as the days go on, the body starts feeling a little bit worse. Uh, you know, you're 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 doing things, you're asking your body to do things uh, that you're not the normal person isn't normally asking on a daily basis in this hot sun. Uh, it gets to you after a while. You take a day off, like the Raiders did on Monday after the scrimmage over at Allegiant Stadium. It's human nature to kind of be a little sluggish, trying to get back into the things. I know it's just one day, but we all know that. We all have showed up to work on Monday, whatever it is you do, school, work, what, the back to the gym after taking a day off or a couple of days off. It takes a little bit to get you know, the, the, the blood flowing. It takes a little bit to get the passion going and to get into it. And, and that's when, you know, when, it, when it's like that, oftentimes people give in, people quit. Ah, so I just don't have it today. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just gonna head out the gym. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, I'm not gonna put the time in today. I just can't, you know, whatever. You make excuses sometimes. Well, that happens too in professional sports. The only, you know, obviously you can't make excuses. You got to stay out there and you got to do your job. And sometimes in those situations, whether it's you know uh, the leaders of the team or maybe it's the coaches, somebody's got to stick a foot up a you-know-what, collectively, individually, whatever the case might be, to get it going. And you heard John Gruden, you heard uh, Gus Bradley, in no uncertain terms, making sure that people understood, it's time to get it going. This is not acceptable. I think 
having done this for a long time. I don't think it wasn't unacceptable. I think they were bracing for the fact that today was going to be a bit of a sluggish day. I think they probably agreed amongst themselves or the coaching staff, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, 100 years combined. We kind of know what this day is going to be like on the practice field, especially to start off with. Let's turn up the volume. Let's expect to really get after these guys. Got a game coming up in four days against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Let's make sure that they understand that it's time to rev it up, and we're going to have to rev it up. Um, and that's exactly what happened today. It was kind of humorous, some of what you heard. Um, and and But I'll tell you this, uh, it got guys going. And by the end of that practice, it was a darn good practice, especially for the defense. They were ball hawking. Uh, there was some sloppiness by the offense, which contributed to some turnovers. But the fact is, I think I counted six turnovers forced uh, by the defense. And... You know, no doubt about it. It was it was it was a rocky day for the offense, but I give the defense a lot of credit as well. They were getting after it, and they were doing certain things to cause those turnovers. And let's not forget for one second that this Raiders defense last year, as bad as it was, giving up points, thirty points a game, roughly third worst in the NFL. They were also third worst in the NFL in forcing turnovers. You give up thirty points, generally speaking, you're not forcing turnovers. Do the math. So to see them doing things instinctually in order to uh, create turnovers, you know, swiping at the ball, not giving up on the play, uh, making an extra effort in pass coverage, being where you need to be in pass coverage, being Johnny on the spot when the offense makes a, a, you know, a, 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 an error uh, so that it just doesn't fall for an incomplete pass. You go up there and make the interception. Those are things that the Raiders defense either didn't do, were, were incapable of, uh, weren't being coached up to do whatever the case uh, was, whatever. It's last year. What what I saw today, and we'll see if it carries over uh, into the season, was a team and a defense that was ready to pounce on situations and opportunities. And sometimes that's half the battle. I'm going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 is on the line. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, Vinny. Um, I kind of echo what you saw, you know, we talked earlier this year about how it was just hard for me to get into this year. I've been so expecting of a great team every year, and then it kind of never works out. You're kind of disappointed every year. But as I've seen John Gruden's plan unfold, I, I can see what's going on. They're bringing in really high-quality people and high-quality young players from great programs, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you follow a college basketball team and, and they're all freshmen and sophomores and they take, it up, take their lumps. And the next year they're a little bit better, but they're juniors. They've all played two years and all of a sudden they're good and they're going to the tournament and going deep in it. And I kind of feel like we're on that kind of a roll. I kind of feel like we have a lot of young players you know, I hated seeing that year that we were had all rookies in the secondary. But now, look, these guys are going to be playing a lot better. They're experienced. They're ready to go. And I think that they're pretty smart in bringing in high-character veterans that have played years, been to Pro Bowls, done the whole thing, and they're teaching these kids. You know, they brought in Jason Witten last year, and look what he did for our tight end room. And I think the quality of the of the young men that I'm seeing live on these press conferences it's amazing to me. And I mean every year it's like, oh yeah, the oh yeah, everybody hikes it up, hikes it up. But this year just I just 
you said it, and I, I felt it before you said it. This year just has a different feel. I don't know if it's going to show up in the wins and losses by the end of the year. Who knows how the football is going to bounce and the flags are going to fly. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. But I think we're on the right track. I think they're bringing in the right kind of people. And I think that when we get to the level we want to get to, we're going to be built to stay there for a long time. Well, that's so definitely the goal. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and that, and that's certainly the goal, and that's why. And I keep preaching this. Uh, I go on national radio shows all the time. I'm invited to go on and talk about the Raiders. And one of the first questions is, a 10-year contract, $100 million for John Gruden. And I just have to, you know, it, it does it sound absurd on the on the face of it? Yes, 10 years, $100 million. It's a lot of years and it's a lot of money. Why would anyone do that? Well, if you really look at it logically, with honesty, it's and we've talked to – Mark Davis has literally been on our show to talk about this. It's giving – the person that he believes in to get this thing turned around, the necessary runway to lead up to that success, to create that success, and obviously the monetary value as well. But the time, more than anything, it was the time needed and the confidence uh, uh, and security of that kind of a contract to let him know you don't have to do anything crazy uh, to win my favor early on. Like, you don't have to win right now. It would be great if 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 the Raiders would have won in 2018 and 2019 on a, in a big way. But it wasn't important in Mark Davis to trade longevity for short term. And that's the message that he was sending to John Gruden with that contract. That was the confidence and security he was giving to him. And I give John Gruden a lot of credit because in a lot of ways he's bucked all sorts of – uh, scouting reports on him. And I know this, and he'll never say this publicly, but I know that he knows what that track record is. You know, uh, doesn't like to play young players. Well, guess what? He's almost played exclusively young players. And to the, to, to the, um, to the detriment of short-term success, I know because I know last year at this time of the year, actually going back to the spring with no OTAs and no off-season programs, there was a – um, a, 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 a concern and a worry that, you know what, we're, 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 we're going to be leaning on a lot of young players this year. This is the worst thing to happen right now to not have a regular offseason as we're moving uh, from Oakland to Las Vegas, to not have that foundation and that normalcy of an OTA to get things together, to get the guys in the, in the room, especially this young team, these young defensive players that need that more than anybody. There was an acknowledgement that that was going to be problematic, and it was. And the thing is, but they were so committed to these young players that it's like we're just going to roll with it and learn from it and get those guys the development that they need. It's not ideal, but it's part of the long-range plan. And I think now there's two things that I really um, – I'm taking away uh, from, from what's happened over the last six, seven months, let's say, all right? Number one, I know for a fact that there were defensive coordinators excited about the possibility of working with the Raiders. I've told you guys that before. And these were pretty high-end names, okay? One that probably will end up in the Hall of Fame. And the question that I had for, for, for them was, you know, why the Raiders? Uh, you know, they, they gave up 30 points a game uh, last year. 
the feedback that I was getting is because there's talent to work with there. They, more than anybody, are capable of seeing that and understanding that and understanding, yes, is it going to be a challenge? No doubt. Every coaching job is a challenge to some extent. But to sit here and say there's no talent there is a complete mistake. There is talent there. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be developed. It needs to be given time. It needs to be coached up. And there were coaches out there, pretty darn big names too, that wanted to be a part of it, that wanted to get their hands on this team and wanted and, and understood there's an excitement level because there's a lot of potential here. So you have that. A couple of coaches that I talked to uh, that, that, that people know. Let's just put it that way. Secondly, a Yannick Ngakwe, a Casey Hayward, now a Gerald McCoy. I know that you know uh, part of it is just opportunity to play somewhere, um, and, and the Raiders gave those guys that opportunity. But when you talk to these guys, and, I, and I, I've been around professional sports too long to, that I know that nobody sugarcoats things. Yeah, you're going to be put a positive spin on things, no doubt about it. But you can read through sometimes the, the cookie-cutter stuff, that's 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 sometimes said uh, that sometimes you know maybe masks what's really behind what's really going on, and you can you can separate that which we all deal with and we all hear and we've all seen from earnest comments like sometimes uh, unsolicited type of comments like and it's genuine and and it's it's becoming. Uh, more and more prevalent with some of these, you know, uh, veterans that have come here about there's talent here. Did you hear what Gerald McCoy talked about? I'll, I'll ask uh, uh, Devon if we have the sound clip uh, of, 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 uh, of Gerald talking about the talent that's here. I literally asked him, what about the Raiders drew you here? Um, and if you could let me know, uh, Devon, if you have that, we can, we can uh, key it up here in a second. But the fact is, he's like, there's talent here, and he sees it, and there's a lot of um, there's stuff there's 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 talent to work with, and you're hearing that from the Casey Haywards, you're hearing that from the Unique Ngakwe's, you're hearing that from the Gerald McCoys, you're hearing it from the coaching staff. We talked to Ron Miles, by the way. We didn't even talk about Ron Miles when we talked to him on Saturday, uh, and and I hope that a lot of you guys got a chance to not just read what he said but see and hear what he said, because I think it sort of um, affirms what I've been trying to explain to you guys, and sometimes your eyes and ears uh, out here, and I take that job very, very seriously. But, you know, part of my job is to observe and to watch and try to get a handle on things, on people, on, you know, dynamics and all that type of stuff. And it's impossible not to notice Ron Miles as he's coaching up his secondary. And I've equated him, I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here, but I, I, I equated him to that, you know, principal at that, at, at, in high school that you really liked, you know, and you, and, and you respected. And you also kind of a little bit feared, and not so much that, you know, uh, you didn't fear him just because, just for, you know, for the sake of fearing somebody. You feared him because you didn't want to let him down. You didn't want to get on his bad side. You didn't want to do something wrong and end up in his office. And not so much because you feared him in a, you know, in a physical kind of a way, but more of a disappointed kind of way. You know, like when you disappoint somebody that you truly like, you truly respect, your dad, that kind of a figure where, uh, forget about what the repercussions might have been to whatever you did, whether it was at your job, whether it was in school, whether it was, you know, getting in trouble, whether it was getting in trouble or something like that. The last person you really wanted to go look eye to eye 
was your own dad because he would give you that look like, like you just disappointed me. And what that's the worst feeling. Well, a guy like, uh, that's that's what I feel like Ron Miles is for these this young secondary. He's that commanding figure that you want to run through the wall for, uh, that holds you to a standard, that likes you and respects you and wants the best for you, but you don't cross him. You don't make the same mistake or else he's going to give you that look. You're going to get called into that office, and that's not the office you want to get called into. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahra. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Just teaching guys how to be pros. I always believe there's a difference in being a professional and a pro. When you get drafted or whether you don't get drafted, um, undrafted, free agent, whatever, once you sign a contract in the NFL, you're a professional doesn't make you a pro. Being a pro is how you approach every day, how you prepare, how you watch film, what do you do when times get tough on the field, what are you eating, you know, how are you learning how to be successful in this league. That's what I believe is being a pro. And not all professionals know how to be pros. So my experience, I can help a lot of the young guys and even some of the experienced guys, teach them how to really be a pro more than just a professional football player. Man, where do I sign up for that? That's like life coaching 101. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's needed and it's important and it's relevant and it's prevalent. And it is, you, you, you know, I, I know and, you know, talking to Mike Mayock and, you know, he's, he's talked about we've had this conversation about, you know, um, the importance of character, the importance of building a good, you know, uh, good culture, and seeking out those type types of players, those types of people more than anything. Forget players; those type of people. The player part of it, you know, that's your scouts. You're looking at all that, you know, and and can they do this? Can they do that? Are they this tall? That you know, uh, weigh this much? Uh, do they run? You know, this time and and that, you know, all of that. That all. What's the tape look like? That all is 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 on this side of that, the line. Um, and, and that reveals itself and that takes, you know, obviously scouting and instincts and all that kind of stuff. What, what, what to look for, what to know to look for that other part, the person part, the character part, um, that takes a little bit more work and sometimes a little bit more of a leap of faith. You're trusting your instincts. You're trusting what you're the intelligence that you're getting on the player, your your the conversations that you're having with him face to face, and believing that person, and and that they're not just acting the part because they want the job, they that's who they are, and that's you know hopefully coming across, and and you're hearing it correctly and seeing it cor- correctly, and you know talking to Mike Mack and 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 him always saying. You know, I know you can poo-poo on it. You know, I know you could say, oh, come on, it's just words. And I have, I've told him this on a couple of occasions when we've talked and, and, and you know, I've done interviews with him and whatnot. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't discount that. I don't uh, overlook that. I don't take that for granted. I don't think that that's meaningless. I've seen it with my own two eyes at various points of my career. Do you realize how many times I think back to when I was in my 20s? Learning from somebody like a Jerry West, 
working in an office where Jerry West was the general manager, president of the Lakers, uh, and you got to deal with him on a daily basis and watch how he operated, watch how he worked, watch how he interacted with people, how professional he was, how diligent he was, the things that he said, the observations that he made. To this day, all these years later, and there's been plenty of people along the way um, that, that, that you know, um, impacted me in similar ways. But there's still to this day, I could go back to those days way back when, when I was just a youngster coming up and think about stuff that Jerry West had said and what he, what he uh, um, prioritized in terms of scouting players and bringing in players. And it wasn't just talent. It went further beyond that. It has to go further beyond that. There's a lot of people that have talent. There are. And and when we get to that 1%, the highest of the high, it's not just talent. There's there's more people that have that kind of talent than just the 1% who actually make it and make it uh, and 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 you know at, at any given time, and the ones that stick around for for a lengthy time, and it usually goes, uh, com- it it ties into who you are as a person because that's going to ultimately reveal itself, and it's going to be the foundation, and it's going to be so important and so critical uh, to to your success. And so I don't look at that; I don't take it lightly. And what I see. For, uh, on this Raider team, interacting with these players now, talking to these players now, there's been a noticeable step up over the last couple of years in that regard. We'll see what it means on the field because ultimately it does come down um, in, a, in a lot of ways to are you also getting it right on the talent side of things. But, man, it just sure seems like it's better in both of those regards As I sit here day after day watching this Raiders team, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line, welcome in our good friend uh, from the local NBC affiliate here, Channel 3 in Las Vegas, Jesse Merrick. Jesse Merrick, I'm going on and on. First of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Hope you're doing great. Um, Kind of going on and on today after, especially after talking to Gerald McCoy, just another impressive dude that the Raiders have added to the roster, an impressive dude that we've had a chance to talk to uh, during training camp. And I, I, I just feel like that part of the equation, from the talent end of it to the character, personality, professionalism side of things, the Raiders have made improvements these last couple of years. What do you say? Hey, Vinny, yeah, good to hop on with you again, man. I always appreciate you having me on. But I, I agree with you on that one, especially with uh, Gerald McCoy. You know, I, I, we've been very honest about the fact that I'm a Bucks fan, so Gerald McCoy is one of my guys. So when the Raiders signed him, I knew right away he was going to be great for the locker room. But, you know, I had never covered the Bucks in my career in this business, so I was real curious to see kind of what he would be like out on the field. And it's not just words when he's up there on the podium saying that he's working with guys and teaching them the details and things like that. I've seen him out on the field do that with those guys and actually working different hand placement and things like that and him actually playing the role of the scout offensive lineman. Like a guy that's been in the league as long as he has, as a six-time Pro Bowler, you don't see that very often. And so he puts his actions to those words, and that speaks volumes. And the simple fact that he said, he's like, look, yeah, I want to get more reps. Yeah, I want to play. But right now my job is to be the coach, and to see him actually do that is massive. And I think it's going to pay dividends for this young D-line. You know, Unique Ngakwe aside, 
the other young guys along this defensive line that have a lot to learn from a guy like him that's been there and done that and been a pr- true pro. You know, I think it was the quote that he had said was, you know, it's those details and learning how to do those things that will take you from being a pro to a professional. And that's what I think is going to be massive for this team, having that type of leadership this year that you really didn't see over the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's it's really what it told, you know, that, that pro professionalism uh, thing, the way he put it. Uh, other people put it this way. It's the difference between getting here and staying here as well. Uh, and, and I think that that's the key. It's not just you, you don't arrive. You're not here just because you got here. The key is to stay here. And uh, what he talks about is what's going to keep guys here for a longer period of time. And hopefully a lot of these guys are listening. But I, I, I do feel good about the fact that I think that a lot of the younger guys that the Raiders have brought in, are kind of cut from that same cloth in a lot of ways, and they will heed his advice. They will listen, and they will be willing uh, learners. And if so, then the Raiders are creating a locker room full of guys that you're going to be able to count on uh, ultimately. Of course, like we talk about all the time, it has to happen on the field. That's the ultimate decider. But if you could build a foundation from, you know, on the other side of things from that character standpoint, I think you're putting yourself uh, into a pretty good position. All right, so as it relates to Gerald McCoy, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, that, that, that uh, you are a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You've seen this guy uh, at, at high moments of his career, and I'm sure you followed it when it went to, uh, over to Carolina. He had, you know, he, he did well in Carolina. There were some good numbers that he put up. As recently, Jer- uh, uh, Jesse, as 2019, he's put numbers up and he's produced. If he is healthy, are, are we um, – overestimating what he can do? I mean, if he could just go back to what he did in 2019, isn't that a, uh, doesn't that provide a lift for the Raiders? Oh, that's massive. Especially as, you know, Bradley has talked about the fact that he wants to have waves and, and send two waves of defensive uh, lines at opposing offenses. I mean, to be able to have a guy like him, however the heck he fits in this lineup, I, I think no matter where he's at, I think he'll end up being uh, one of the guys on that second D line. So having a guy like him paired with Pharrell and Nassib, and whether it's Solomon Thomas or Darius Phelan or, you know, any of the guys, Niles Scott, Max Dickerson, you know, whoever you want to throw out there with him, you know, that's going to be an interesting combo there on that second grouping to be able to throw at people. And I, I believe, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he's had at least five sacks each of the last, I want to say, five full seasons that he's been playing, or that he's played. I, again, I don't know for sure off the top of my head. No, but I you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, and so, look, I mean, if you get that out of a guy that's going to be a rotational player, that's huge. I mean, we can't expect to see the same, you know, all-pro defensive tackle that we've seen in previous years. If the Raiders get that, then that's awesome. I mean, they got a steal. I think he's at 1.1 mil um, and can make up to 2.2 or right around that 2 million mark uh, with incentives. So, I mean, they got the guy for a steal right off of the street, and he's clearly hungry. Like he was saying, he's like, who the heck likes to go to meetings? And he was like, I'm skipping to meetings. So to have a guy that's got his pedigree, that can do the things that you and I talked about off of the field in terms of coaching these guys up, but also if he brings it on the field as well, I mean, that's going to be huge. And the thing we talk about so much with this Raiders team compared to the previous ones, there's quality depth. And adding a guy like him adds even more quality depth into that whole lineup. 
By the way, when Jesse says skipping, he didn't mean skipping out of the meetings, like <laughs>、yeah. literally skipping to the meeting, like happy to be there type of skipping. So, because、uh, uh, at first I had to catch myself when、uh, when when when、uh, when Gerald said it, and then I realized what he re- what he meant. Like I'm happy to even go to these darn meetings, which I which most <laughs> people hate.、Um, all right, Jesse. So we were Jesse and I were at practice today, and we were kind of laughing because it was one of those days. It kind of started off as one of those days. I think we all felt it. Maybe even ourselves having the day off the day before. It, it's it's a little bit sluggish、uh, coming back off the day off、um, in, in in this kind of an environment. And we we sort of felt that, saw that.、Uh, but the coaches made it a point. I don't know if they got together before practice to say, "Hey, we might have to turn the volume up a little bit."、Uh, but sure enough, that's exactly what they did. And there were some choice words, some colorful words, some interesting words、uh, from John Gruden and、uh, Gus Bradley that we can't really、uh, talk about on,、uh, on on a family radio station. <laughs> But needless to say,、uh, they got off, they got after them,、uh, getting them you know、uh, going. To me, the defense really responded today.、Uh, I think I counted six turnovers、uh, that were forced. Some of it was sloppiness from the offense, but a lot of it too was just the defense doing the right thing to force turnovers. And even when there was sloppiness by the offense, being Johnny on the spot and aware and ready to make the play. And make them play,、uh, pay for that sloppiness, which is we rarely saw that last year from that Raiders defense. I know it's just one day of practice,、uh, but a building block maybe for the defense, especially as it relates to turnovers. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, my, I had it at six today as well. And you know, a handful of them were balls off a receiver's hands. It was kind of a tough day for Brian Edwards in particular today. But being in the right place at the right time defensively to come down with those interceptions, that was huge for those guys because how many times is John Gruden sat up on the podium and said, "You know, we need turnovers, we need sacks, we need these game-changing plays, and they just aren't there to be had." And you know, I remember、uh, when we had the first pick、uh, that Nick Quickowski had, or the first two picks that Quickowski had of camp. Everyone was like, "Whoa, here we go!" And then today it was a massive influx of them and a bunch of plays. And look, at the end of the day, like when a defense is feeling it, those are going to come in bunches, and you need to be able to do that. Against another team, you know, kick them when they're down. In, in a sense, if they're going to continue to make those mistakes, and that's good for the offense as well because it gets that out of their system and can slap them around a little bit. Maybe tomorrow they'll come back with a bit more, you know, intensity or concentration, whatever have you, on that one. But massive for the defense to be able to get that because that's when you can continue to stack those plays together. And when they don't come after a while, you start to wonder, are they going to? So just getting them and getting them in bunches is big. You see them from multiple guys along the defense. And just having their head on a swivel and having that awareness, you know, they're not so caught up in the scheme. They're able to react to what's going on around them because they, you know, it seems as though they have a nice、uh, control on the scheme that they're running right now. So being able to react to what's going on and come down with the picks and make those game-changing plays is massive. But you got to think that、uh, they'll be switching the jerseys back and putting the offense back in white after the way things went for them today when they were in the black jerseys. Ah, blaming it on the jerseys. I like that.、Uh, and yes,、uh, Jesse's right.、Uh, and it took us a little bit, a、uh, little time to adjust to the fact that the offense was in black and the uh, and the uh, defense was wearing white. It had been reversed、uh, the first two weeks of training camp. So you know, you、uh, even just. With what we do, had to catch myself a couple of times making sure I identified、uh, the, the player correctly. We're talking to Jesse Merrick、uh, from Channel Three here in Las Vegas, the NBC affiliate.、Uh, along those lines,、uh, Jesse, when you talk about turnovers, with football being such a momentum-centric、uh, sport, and、um, you know the, the ebbs and flows of a game, the fact that 
you know, how many times have we seen where a ball went through a secondary member's hands or, you know, there was a fumble and it laid on the ground for five seconds and the offense got it rather than the Raiders' defense? And the demoralizing aspect that, that that can lead to because, number one, you know, if you're if you're the Raiders, you wanted that turnover, and then you're sitting there thinking, didn't get it, and how many times does that turn into a touchdown for the other team or a big first down on the next play to just steal away whatever momentum might have been, uh, you know, gained by coming up with the turnover. It's hugely, hugely important, and it just seems like it's something that's being emphasized right now based on what we saw today with the, with the way they were kind of hammering down on the ball uh, to knock the ball out of, uh, out of ball carrier's hands. Yeah, I would agree, and I, as you were saying that, you know, I was thinking through my head, I, I don't recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, too many instances where you see guy, you know, a defender get hit in the face mask or the hands or whatever with a ball and not come down with it. A lot of times, you know, the, the turnovers just haven't been there to be had, but from my memory, anytime one has been there to ha- to be had or one that's been fairly close, for the most part, I'd say nine times out of ten, they come down with it. Um, and again, we saw them much more today than we've seen any other day. But yeah, just simply making the play is huge, and I think that shows the, the maturation process that this team is going through. You know, I mean, there's so many times you do see that, and then you kind of get the, the defender that realizes he's a defender for a reason because he dropped the ball and he can't come down with it, you know, sitting there thinking about it, and then it goes to the next play and it carries over and it's that snowball effect. Whereas if you're able to do that, that changes the game, that ignites the offense, gets them going, everybody feeds off of it. You know, and the defense was obviously loving it. I saw Max Crosby all up over uh, down Levitt today when he came through with one of the picks. I mean, you know, they're all, you know, they were fired up. They were loving it. So that's why I'm real curious to see tomorrow, okay, where's the maturity level in the defense, how you respond, and also specifically with the offense as well. All right, got 30 seconds, uh, Jesse. What are you expecting to see on uh, Saturday? What are you hoping to see? And, and what kind of crowd uh, do you think is, is going to be at Allegiant Stadium when they open the doors for the first time for a football game uh, with the Raiders against the Seattle Seahawks? Whew, it's going to be wild. I can't wait. There was, what, 13,000-plus over there on Sunday, so it's going to be insane. In terms of what I'm looking for on the field, I can't wait to see some of the young guys. I want to see a lot of Tanner Muse and see how he plays in that uh, Sam linebacker spot how he works in coverage there. You got it. Jesse, thanks so much for spending some time uh, with us in the huddle. I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning and, of course, uh, Saturday over at Allegiant Stadium. Thanks, thanks a lot, good friend. Yes, sir. See you later. That is Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 here in Las Vegas, the local NBC affiliate. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Doug is on uh, the line. How you doing, Doug? I'm doing great, Vinny. Great to uh, to talk to you. And uh, let me start by just saying uh, how, how much I appreciate you and your whole staff that puts this uh, show online. We've never had this for Raider Nation before. And it's great to hear Raider talk all day long. Uh, I wish it extended into the night, but I'll take whatever I can get. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate that, and you guys are why we do this, uh, and we don't take that for granted at, at all. So uh, well, thank you for you listening. You know, I love it. We didn't have good representation in the Bay Area, especially the last few years, but I, I'm up here in eastern Washington, so all I hear is Seahawks stuff, so it's great to hear some silver and black. Cooper Cup land. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm from that part. Uh, I saw him play quite a bit out of Eastern. Tremendous. Um, love, love Cooper. Uh, covered him with the Rams. And uh, anytime I hear Eastern Washington, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to think about Cup. Yeah, he, uh, he was a great player for tremendous. us, no doubt about. It. From Central Washington, I believe is where yep, he's from. Exactly. Um, so anyway, what I, I want to talk about is I'm a longtime season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the first to buy a PSL there in Vegas, and uh, this whole time I've always been concerned of you know. Who's buying these PSL? Are they Raider fans? Are they a mix? Are they, are they investors? And um, we're going to find out, I guess, this weekend. But I can tell you right now, prices have fallen through the floor this last couple of days. I, I keep an eye on it all the time. A uh, couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago, prices were still in the four to five hundred range. You can get a, a ticket for to, uh, this weekend's game for hundred under hundred bucks. Yeah, so, I saw that. I've been, know, yeah. I've been, I've been keeping an eye on on it, and I was always told too that that was to be expected. I think that you know um, some people were trying to kind of corner the market a little bit yes. or take advantage of the excitement of when the schedule uh, came out, and understandably so. But if you're a shrewd ticket buyer, um, you're going to wait a little bit and uh, and be patient. And I know the numbers were ridiculous, and there's going to still be games like when the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, come sure. to town, you know, uh, some of the bigger opponents on that secondary market. Uh, that's going to reflect that. I, I, I worked for many years in Los Angeles. I know what that's all about with the Lakers uh, over at Staples Center. Some of the some of the ticket prices would be crazy uh, for certain games, even up in the nosebleeds. But that's just, you know, you've got a great uh, team. Um, you know, it's it's an iconic franchise. Uh, it's a it's the first year here in Las Vegas where fans are going to be involved, so prices are going to reflect that. But like you said. If you're a little bit patient, <laughs> the numbers will come down. Right. So I, I encourage anybody that's in Vegas, if you're a Raider fan, go out there and check and come out Saturday because uh, I'd love to see a, a you know crowd like we've seen in Oakland that are passionate and for our team and really supporting them. It, it's fantastic coming from Washington that they're playing the Seahawks. I hope that that energy there just pulls them in. They knock the crap out of them so I can come come back and go back to work and uh, you know stick my chest out. I will anyway, but. Um, uh, uh, are I you? Just, um, I just I'm sorry to cut you off, and I I, okay. I was going to ask you: um, Are you going to be coming to most of the home games uh, this year? And, and are oh, you gonna- absolutely, absolutely. I usually go. Uh, we don't always make all of them. I don't normally go to a preseason game, but I wouldn't miss this one for the world. So that's that's why I'm kind of questioning the fans because you know you had Mark on here recently. He talked about the ribbon cutting ceremony, and there's yep. going to be I'm assuming music and all kind, and they usually give out some swag and. Um, you know, I, you got to be at the first game. So if you're really a, you know, if you're really a fan, unless there's just some reason that you can't make it, um, so I will definitely be there. We'll probably do five to six this year. It's a little bit more. You know, I used to either drive the 1,200 miles to Oakland or uh, fly, and it's a little bit more to travel to Vegas. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that someday uh, when I retire, that that'll be I'll be like a snowbird, and we'll just we'll spend our winters in Vegas going to Raider games and. Well, Hopefully, watching championships. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and you're, you would uh, stay on the line real quick because I, I want to let you know that if you do come, you know, when, uh, on those weekends that you come out to uh, to Las Vegas, keep us in mind because the day before every home game, uh, Raider Nation Radio is going to be throwing a uh, a party for Raider fans and Raider Nation Radio fans uh, over at the Rockstar Bar. It's right on Las Vegas Boulevard, over by the Golf Center uh, here in Las Vegas, across the street from. 
Town Center. It's at the very beginning, kind of of, of you know uh, of, of the strip, uh, but it's a really cool location. Uh, for instance, on September twelfth. Uh, the day before the Monday night game, uh, we're going to be having a party there uh, from 5 to whenever. Uh, it starts at 5 o'clock. We're trying to uh, also include a, uh, a two-hour radio show, so we'll be doing it as a live remote slash party. I'll be out there. Q Myers, who hosts the uh, the show from 2 to 4, uh, will be out there. There will be giveaways, um, Q&As, awesome. all, types of, all types of stuff. For Raider fans to to have a place to come to the day before the game here in Las Vegas, whether they're here in Las Vegas or like you, uh, coming in from out of town. So definitely keep us in mind if you come out here the day before the games. Five o'clock, we got you hooked up at Rockstar Bar. I want to start meeting you know uh, listeners so you guys can meet us and we could talk Raider football and have a lot of fun, eat some great food, uh, have some drinks together, watch some football uh, up on the up on the big screens, and just. You know, be able to enjoy the moment for the first time since you know. Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, so so keep us in mind, brother. And uh, oh, I definitely will. I saw that ad on uh, on Twitter. Your your point there, and, and my wife and I. That's it's always kind of been that way. We'd go into Oakland and we'd hit up Ricky's or we'd hit one of them. It's a Raider weekend. You know what I mean? Exactly. You go find where all the Raider fans are hanging out, and it's a great time. Raider fans are. are you know, we got this reputation, but it's really not true. They're great people. We've met them. For years and years, like I said, I've been a fan since 68. Nice. I've been a season ticket holder for about 15 years. Um, I haven't missed at least one game a year since about 1981. Um, it's just it's what I do. You know, it's what I'm known for. So, All right, very um, cool. I'll, I'll definitely be there on the 12th for that first one. We'll check it out, and uh, hopefully it'll become a, a thing. Yes, we want to make it a tradition, and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have a beer together, or whatever, uh, wherever it is, whatever it is that you drink, we'll have we'll have one together. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for the call; I really appreciate it. Um, and back out to the Raider Nation lesson line. Raider T is on the line. How you doing, Raider T? Good. How are you, Vinny? Doing excellent. Thank you very much. Hey, so I've been a little off the radar the last month and a half or so with uh, kids' activities, so I haven't really followed a lot of the news. And the thing I'm most interested in, I don't know if uh, maybe after my call you can go over the projected um, uh, starting lineup for offense and defense, particularly defense. I'm really curious to see how it shook out, uh, especially now that we have uh, Gerald McCoy, what the D-tackle situation is going to look like, and also the defensive end situation. Um, Because I know at the beginning of the summer there was a little kind of debate whether or not uh, Max Crosby would be starting, whether Cleve Farrell would be starting. I know they're both going to get a lot of playing time. Um, but the other question is uh, Carl Nassib, I have him. And kudos to him for coming out and being true to yourself, 100% glad for him. Um, but unless he's one of these guys that is going to thrive under Gus Bradley, you know, based on what he, he did last year, I, I think he's a, in danger of being a cut casualty. Now, I know he's got a big salary t- uh, tag number um and it'd be expensive to cut him but i think he's a guy in danger and i'm also super curious about how it pans out between um uh casey hayward and um i'm drawing a blank on his name now the other guy that damon we arnett. last year from uh, damon arnett how that shakes out who's gonna be the starting outside corner um so that's really why i was calling just to kind of figure out what what our lineup's going to look like at least at this point well, I've, if you stay on the line, I've got the defensive uh, depth chart in front of me, and um, 
Uh, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe are the two starting defensive ends. Uh, behind them are Cleve Farrell and Carl Nassib. Carl Nassib has been getting a lot of sta- uh, snaps um, in the, with that second unit. Uh, I expect him to make the team, and he looks good uh, out there. He's been flying around. He looks like he's in great shape, great spirits. Uh, so I expect him to have a, uh, a rotational role along with Cleve Farrell. I wouldn't get caught up in the distinctions of the ones and the twos. I think both units are going to play a lot. That's how Gus Bradley rolls, and I think there's a, uh, there's a thought process behind that. Uh, to try to uh, create depth in order to get through games so that guys are in, in still have gas left in the tank at the end of games. We saw that last year, how it uh, kind of uh, bit the Raiders in the butt by the time they got to end of games, as Clee Farrell uh, talked about when we spoke to him about this, guys were burnt out because too many guys were playing too many, or not, they were just... Guys are playing too many darn snaps. Uh, as far as the cornerback uh, spot, it looks like, as of right now, Casey Hayward uh, is ahead of Damon Arnett. But Damon Arnett's been getting a lot of run as well. I expect to see him on the football field quite a bit this year. Uh, so those are the two questions uh, that you had, that defensive tackle uh, situation. Right now it's Jonathan Hankins and Quentin Jefferson's as the starter. Uh, Solomon Thomas, Niall Scott are the backups. Uh, Mac Dickerson, Darius Phylon are, are in that mix as well. But uh, keep an eye on Gerald McCoy. I think he works his way up the depth chart uh, and becomes a factor on this team. But there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of good football players. There's going to be some good players that the Raiders have to reluctantly cut. Uh, but that's a good problem. Uh, I know, you know, covering the Rams, they used to chart how many players that they cut ended up on other teams, and they would take pride in that. Uh, of course, you don't want to lose good players, but if you're cutting good players, it means you have better players that you think anyway uh, ahead of those guys. So I would not doubt that there's going to be some good players cut here with the Raiders that are going to end up on NFL rosters uh, this year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonsignor. Mm. 